you always hear, don't believe everything you see on social media. You know, it's not the full story. And I would definitely market a version of myself online, a very happy party girl, positive version of myself. I'm so everything in my life is perfect. You know, when it was so far from life is a trip. No matter where you've been or where you're going, you might have more in common with someone on the other side of the world than you think. Let's go. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my best friend, Meryl. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Meryl? Hi, everybody. My name is Meryl Perrion. I actually just started my first semester teaching at a community college. I teach an introductory class to cultural anthropology, so all about culture. Um, I spin as much as I can with travel, and yeah, it's really fun. I enjoy it, figuring life out. That's awesome. You know, I'm a big fan of anthropology, having grown up with that, of course. So, awesome. Let's talk about some of your travels then how do you prepare for a big trip like what are some essentials you take with you um let's see I definitely I mean as far as clothes go I'm all about comfort I'm not really into the whole dressing up (laughs) so clothing definitely is as long as I'm comfortable you know for any sort of weather um I do like to spend a lot of my time out walking about so comfy clothes comfy shoes um I definitely take a lot of snacks Um, I do have a habit of just randomly getting insanely hungry. And sometimes you do not have the luxury, you know, of stopping everywhere, grabbing a bite to eat. So definitely I take a bunch of healthy snacks, uh, bars, nuts, almonds, um, comfy clothes, snacks. And I think my other really like big essential would be just kind of, I have like little ritual things that kind of help me cope with anxiety when I travel um I have like little candies I suck on a candy if I'm freaking out or like just my little uh mental health rituals it definitely helps to have like a ritual or something to go with when you're traveling um what sort of things give you anxiety when you travel I mean, I'm not horrible with transportation but the flight um gets me pretty going um I think it's just like me not having control I have to just sit there for x amount of hours I'm not able to get up and leave freely and there is a little sense of discomfort just knowing that like I am not rooted on the ground you know I'm in the skies so I don't like particularly to look down below me (laughs) um but I mean through some really interesting um articles I've read and through uh, this one headspace meditation, you know, I still find a way to manage to ground myself even in the plane, even though I know, you know, I'm not physically on the ground. Yeah. Is that the flying one or what's that one called? Cause I do that one. Yeah, it was too. It was headspace has fear of flying. And then also I've learned a tool just to help you. If you imagine, I think it's called you imagine your legs as being like roots of a tree. That way you're really planting yourself. And then your crown, the top of your head, extends all the way up just kind of as a way to really, this is how I'm centering myself, visualizing and feeling my body, connecting really mind with body. So kind of visualizing that in the moment helps. Yeah, definitely. I think that's great as well, like to just feel like you're grounded when you're in the air somehow because it's the only way you can. 
I think a lot of tips I've heard from other people who have fear of flying is to also speak with the flight attendants if you're feeling a bit nervous. Have you ever heard that tip before or tried it? I've never spoken with the flight attendants or, you know, told anybody, you know, this is my condition, like I feel a certain way. If anything, the thing mm-hmm. that helps me is I just try and talk to the people around me. Um, and normally that kind of helps me get out of my head. Just, oh, hi, like, where are you going? Hey, everyone. So sorry for the audio issues once again. It's been kind of difficult recording during this quarantine through Skype. And um, yeah, unfortunately, some of the audio got lost in between the clips here. But basically, I was just asking Meryl about what tactics she uses to sort of cope with um, stress and anxiety during travel. And it's important to keep in mind that when you're suffering from anxiety attacks and just general feelings of stress during travel, that you are not the only one and you're not going to be looking like a crazy person if you're starting to feel a bit panicked in the plane. So like I said, reaching out to the flight attendants is a good way or also just talking to the person next to you if they're willing to talk. And um, another method is just listening to playlists that calm you down or distracting yourself by focusing on something you can see, something you can touch, something you can smell. There are several ways. So then as we continue in the podcast, I asked Meryl what her favorite country was that she visited. And she told me that it was Greece because it reminds her of her Armenian roots. And she really loves how welcoming the people are there. After talking about Greece, Meryl also mentions one of her second favorite trips, which was to Bali, where she actually got to experience a couple of spiritual sites, and these places were super inspirational for her experience with anthropology and her studies. So she actually dives into how this was inspiring to her and also goes into her research in the next segment of the episode. So let's go ahead and continue with that. And thank you guys again for listening and for your patience. And I was looking at the effects that these pilgrimage different sites have on visiting pilgrims, um, regardless of if they are sacred, so religious or spiritual or secular, not religious. And then, but I mean, just generally my interest my overarching interest really is this correlation between mental health and spirituality. There is this unspoken bond between the two, and more often than not, a really positive one. Mm-hmm. What's your personal definition of like spirituality? I mean, it's I tough. <laughs> it's I think I asked Brooke the same thing. Like, it's just interesting to hear because a lot of people with anxiety like have trouble as well with hanging on to like any belief because it's like feels at times really hopeless you know I can say that myself going through it too it's like you don't really know if there's like why are you like this you know it's difficult to to understand why this could be the case when there should be like more positivity and spirituality so I'm just curious like how you've overcome that through spirituality and what you've used from your learnings as well as through other practices like you told me I guess meditation therapy anything else that you can recommend as well to listeners who are going through that? I, my mind is still like boggled on the, how do you define spirituality? question? Yeah. <laughs> it, Cause it's, it's 
it's weird to think about it and step outside of that box, you know, and try and construct something that is so vast. Mm-hmm. I feel like to me, spirituality really is just, I think it's a heightened sense of self. And I don't think it necessarily has to be attached to like God, Jesus, Buddha, any sort of known deity or God, goddess, whatever it might be. To me, I think spirituality is a journey to self um, within yourself, starting from yourself. And it's, it's, hard like it's not fun it's not easy it's not what I think a lot of like social media and a lot of just media makes it out to be if that kind of makes sense yeah totally and like going into that topic of social media a bit deeper like how has that impacted your mental health and how do you think it impacts others mental health as well oh it was toxic beyond toxic for me for the longest time Um, And I think it's because you see images of what you think people should be like, including what you feel like you should be like. And when you are not like that, it makes it so much harder on yourself to accept you for who you are. Um, And it took a lot in me to realize, you know, the, the channels that I was willingly consuming were unhealthy for me. So I really had to shift my perspective. I had to change the types of people that I was following really what I was choosing to take in from social media. So following a bunch of these beauty bloggers or just, I had to, I really just had to shift what I was looking for in social media. So that meant staying away from influencers and really well-known, not to say like superficial for lack of a better term, but less of these superficial icons and more people that were focused on just themselves and making themselves grow in every possible way yeah no I mean it can be superficial as well like I've definitely seen that a lot through some of the pages I followed on Instagram for example and I've had to go like deeper into my own thoughts to decide like okay is this page making me feel good about myself why do I even follow them like you know we I think at the beginning of social media we all felt like uh, oh we have to follow a bunch of people like if you don't follow your route if you don't follow back whatever and things are changing a lot now. I think the dynamic around social media is becoming a lot more personalized. And especially for brands, if you're not actually being uh, interactive and personal and like caring about who your followers are, you're not really going to have like a genuine audience and you're not going to be successful basically. So, I mean, that's what you have to do, like brand yourself towards what you want and also like follow things that make you happy and keep your, your day positive, I guess. It can be difficult yeah, well, for sure. I mean, no, absolutely. And also, like, I mean, on the topic of branding yourself, I feel like social media for me was a way for me to, because you always hear, don't believe everything you see on social media. You know, it's not the full story. And I would definitely market a version of myself online, a very happy party girl, positive version of myself. I am so, everything in my life is perfect, you know, when it was so far from. So I think in another kind of reality social media was really toxic for me because I would look back on my quote-unquote perfect life and think and even almost forget that like even during that time I was still not happy but like online I showed I was so why am I not right now type of a thing you know so it really is I was I was terrified of being my true self online I thought I would get a lot of shame a lot of judgment because all I post are like me having fun smiles happy stuff like 
Meryl's not anxious. Meryl doesn't struggle with depression, you know, so I can't put that online. But it's definitely been a shift since. Yeah, speaking of that, I remember, you know, of course, us growing up together since we were super young, kids in school together. Like, I've seen your, you know, transformation going through all this stuff. And, you know, it's no judgment either. Like, we we all go through these time periods where, you know, we look back and we're like, what the heck was I doing at that time, right? Like, yeah. what was I thinking? Like, why why did I try that or whatever? But, you know, it I helps mean, you grow. As long as it's yeah. not, you know, crazy, you know, like, talking about behavior, but... I don't yeah. regret anything in my life because it's exactly. brought me to where I'm supposed to be now. If anything, I just wish I was more true to my roots, you know, mm-hmm. being absolutely 100% honest about who I am because literally nobody is happy 24-7 and that's completely normal. It's totally fine. Like, I think that would be the biggest thing I wish I could go back and tell myself, like, it is okay to feel like the world is ending and you have the fucking weight of the world on your shoulders. Yeah, for sure. And like you mentioned, like a lot of your friends were surprised when they realized like you have anxiety and depression, but they also like had it themselves. They realized they like, they revealed it to you, you know? So that's really interesting. And especially like them knowing you and, and also myself knowing you as like this, you know, party girl. And then all of a sudden, Oh, Meryl doesn't really drink anymore. Meryl doesn't really go out anymore. I like this. <laughs> it's what happened it's, you know, it's your choice and, and it's really good I think to have um that, that like to recognize that in yourself because I think a lot of people with anxiety um try to medicate self-medicate in different ways like myself Absolutely. included I definitely use alcohol as well and and I think that's important to realize you're not it wasn't an addiction for me but it was more like a like an almost a medication form for me because I was like okay I'm going on a flight like you mentioned you have your candies like that's a lot healthier way of doing it than like trying to get a shot or something like that to try to get through a flight, you know? And I realized, okay, this is not okay. I'm not enjoying my travels anymore because this is affecting me um, on a deeper level to where it's it's making me more worried actually. So it's interesting. The thing with my relationship with alcohol, alcohol was a self-medication for me also, but it was a self-medication for me against years of trauma and just like, I think I used alcohol as a way to get me to be a lot more comfortable with myself and be more social and really get out of my shell. And it was fun while it lasted, but I also developed a really toxic relationship with alcohol because it got to a point where, you know, I was dependent on alcohol to have fun. So it took me a really long time to be able to go out and have fun without being what, however many drinks in, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think being American doesn't really help with that because we um, have, you know, we can't drink till we're 21. And it's like you just yeah. have this pressure and you want to drink like as soon as possible. And if your parents are against it, it's even harder, like because you just want to rebel. So it's kind of funny. But like a lot of people I've talked to have been in the same way as you. Like, oh, I really can't drink anymore. Like I you know, started drinking too early or whatever. And I have anxiety and it's just been like it's not helping um, a, a few people in my life that I know are going through that as well. Well, I also think my college career really like affected my relationship with alcohol because <laughs> like you mentioned growing up, like you and I were at least me more than you, at least my freshman, sophomore year, I was the bookworm, like head in my books. I got really good grades. I was quiet. And regardless, like high school, I did, I wasn't exposed to too much partying a little bit by senior year. But then in college, you know, having almost 
no exposure to partying. Um, I mean, granted, addiction kind of runs in the family, but like my parents don't drink. So growing up firsthand, I wasn't exposed to that. You know, I don't see people drinking that often. I don't know what a normal amount is. So for me, going to college and going from absolutely drinking nothing to all of a sudden, like, go hard or go home type of a mentality, you know, that's kind of the relationship that I establish. You know, if people, people, it's so common to go do happy hour, have a drink or two. And I would never do that to me. That was kind of literally my exact thoughts were going out for one or two drinks. is a waste of calories. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't find enjoyment in that. If I'm going to drink, I'd rather have 10 and just mm-hmm. have that night. So I think college really affected me too because it's all that mentality that let's go, let's go, let's rage mentality. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what can you recommend for like younger listeners having also you've been in a sorority as well, like anyone who's going to go into college and who is kind of nervous about that whole drinking and party culture? Like, do you have any tips? I think it can be really tough, especially if you're easily impressionable, um, And now looking back, I think I was, I didn't really have a true good sense of self, self at the time, which I don't think anybody does at 18. Um, I feel like the the best thing I would say is, you know, if you don't feel comfortable doing something, you should not feel bad standing up for yourself. If you don't want to drink, I know peer pressure is a real thing, but you should feel at least somewhat comfortable enough to say you know what like, I'm good for right now maybe later. just find a way mm-hmm. to kind of avoid having to give in to peer pressure every single time in every single case yeah. like I have so many different like memories flooding back to me of oh I didn't want to drink that night but you know I did anyway and I didn't want to drink this night but I did anyway and it's like why didn't I feel comfortable saying no and it's like the yeah. older I got even though I did say no you're kind of met with, oh, you know, don't be a wuss or come on, don't be a baby and things like mm-hmm. that. It's like, I, I, only, I can only hope that people would feel more comfortable to just be like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm having fun. Thank you, though. Yeah, I think I've heard as well, like a lot of people's insecurities about like drinking or other things as well. When they call you out on something, it's, it's like a reflection of themselves because they're insecure about it and they're succumbing to peer pressure or they've felt that before. So I think that's important to remember for young listeners as well. Like if someone is trying to insult you for your behavior, don't take it as a reflection of you. It's more like a reflection of themselves. Maybe they've gone through something like that. And like, that's, you know, that's unfortunate for them, but you know, it's important to be stronger than that and realize like they actually will probably forget about this moment anyway in like an hour after they're really drunk and you're like oh okay well I'm glad I didn't get that messed up tonight because honestly I made it home and like I didn't you know get make any mistakes or drunk text somebody or whatever you know there's there's just a lot of bad judgment that can come with uh drinking when you don't want to drink I think that's what I've learned with my relationship yeah with my relationship with alcohol I mean I've like realized I will only drink if it's actually something like that I like um a drink that I actually enjoy having or it's like you know a time where I'm excited and and wanting to drink you shouldn't really drink when you're sad like especially with the quarantine I think that's really tough yeah yeah I I, that's the thing that and that's not to say that like I will never in my life drink again like I hope to one day drink again but I like my mental health is more important to me than going out and drinking so like once Mm -hmm. I really get comfortable with a then I can introduce b 
But I know a lot of people that are struggling with this quarantine because, and like, especially, and even if you have or you don't have an addiction, this lack of routine and lack of schedule is really affecting people. And I've seen so many of my friends even finishing, if not a bottle every day, a bottle of wine every two nights type of a thing. And if that's what you got to do, like, that's what you got to do. But I, I guess just recognizing that on like occasionally like it's probably not the best thing for you in the long run I think mm-hmm. if you're doing that pretty consecutively like downing like I <laughs> downing a bottle out of boredom is probably not the best thing but then also I do have some friends that literally choose to drink instead of dealing with their demons so it's like utilize that time to mm-hmm. reflect in a positive way yeah I can also recommend like if you're looking for a routine to use this app called Fabulous, um, whether you want to check it out or also listeners. Um, it's been helping me like keep a routine because, you know, it's just tough to like wake up uh, early, first of all, and also to like keep like eating at the right times or whatever, trying yeah. to do some kind of light exercise at home. And so this app Fabulous has really helped me with that. But yeah, I think with the quarantine, it's been really interesting trying to have like um uh, trying to socialize you know I think we've tried to keep in touch I mean even we have long long distance friendship now because I moved to Germany and you're in California you it, so. has it been a, it's been over a year coming up on two years oh my gosh yeah isn't it crazy yeah Brooke reminded me of that I forgot she was I was like oh you visited me last year and she was like no that was yeah quarantine is yeah. definitely affecting every aspect of life I know for some of my friends, like, they've just been having quarantine dates with their boyfriends, like, you know, in person as much as they can. What have you been doing when it comes to, like, dating during the quarantine? Um, I'm sticking to FaceTime. Yeah, that's a I good idea. I just have a lot of, yeah, I will just do, like, a lot of FaceTime dates, friends, whatnot. Um, and it's it's nice to at least, like, if you can't physically see someone for the time being, at least you're still keeping in touch, but like it still allows you to create and maintain some sort of an emotional connection to the person. It's pretty tough though. Like, I don't know. We were just talking about love is blind and how it's like so crazy when you're like meeting someone in that way, I guess, without actually seeing them. And like, I'm curious what you thought about that show and like the connections people can make without actually seeing each other. Like, do you think that that's accurate? Oh, the Love is Blind show? Yeah, exactly. I definitely think that you can create a connection with somebody without meeting them. They spent, what, a week or 10 days in those pods? I think it was like 10 days. I think it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't more than a week. I definitely think it's possible to create an emotional connection with someone with just speaking to them. Um, And I think this quarantine kind of gives you that opportunity to, because a lot of people are you know, stuck at home. If they don't have roommates, it might be a lot harder on them. And now more than ever, I feel like people are really craving connection because they're realizing, you know, I don't have that. I don't have work. I don't have like my social activities. Like I crave that connection. Mm -hmm. So I think depending on whether or not you allow yourself to really open up to someone, you can definitely begin to establish a really, really strong emotional connection without even having met the person. And that comes yeah. from just talking, uh, chatting online, video chatting, just making sure, you know, whoever it is, it's the person in the photos. Yeah. So 
I mean, let's talk about that a little bit, I guess. You've, you've had like a bit of rocky experience with online dating. And I think it's really cool if we can, um, I guess, warn people a little bit to, about being careful when it comes to like that aspect, especially people dating now online during the quarantine. What can you speak about when it comes to that? I think regardless of whatever platform you're choosing to meet people on, um, always, always exercise caution and safety you know you come first you have to protect yourself and it's not even just your heart you know just you as a person need to protect yourself because there are a lot of dangers out there Mm -hmm. um I did have a catfishing incident which still kind of blows my mind a little bit but you know the individual that I was speaking to would send me so here's what what I learned that I would tell others if a straight up video chat is not an option right off the bat, like ask for some sort of a photo that you know they're not going to take on a day-to-day basis. So the individual I was speaking with would send me Snapchats, like pictures and videos. So they would pop up with like the, you know, pink and purple icons. So I was like, okay, you know, I don't, you can't replicate a Snapchat. Like these must be real time. So I didn't think much of it. Mm-hmm. But come to find out, I don't even know how they managed to hack into Snapchat and send old photos and videos as real time. That is a thing for anybody out there. Just know that. So after that, I kind of learned, you know what? I'm just going to do really non-conventional photographs. Like, I don't know, take a freaking banana or any, ask for like a specific fruit and ask for like, a weird hand gesture or a movement, ask for them to like stick out their tongue or make their eyes cross, something that you know is not a regular picture that they have sitting on their phone of them just smiling type of a thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's ridiculous that this is like a thing, but I think it's important because people Absolutely. might laugh or people might think it's not like real or, oh, that catfish, that was it a long time ago. to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like people I might remember the, the show. <laughs> but I crazy. am the most cautious I'm the most cautious person and like I I still can't believe that it happened to me and that I didn't catch on to it right away because I didn't think you can mess with Snapchat but I mean yeah I mean everything's so advanced nowadays and that's why people need to know like I don't know why this is the case like I'm curious actually what you think like why do people still do something like that or why what are they looking for actually like because the connection is there, but, like, what do you think the goal of this person was, for example? Like, it's, it's weird. I honestly have no clue. I could not tell you anything. Um, yeah. Whatever it might be, they have to be severely, severely unhappy with themselves and their lives to be going to this extent. Um, and, like, I didn't put a lot of blame on myself as far as, like the connection went I definitely blamed myself for not catching it on sooner and walking away sooner but I definitely did not blame myself for you know why did this happen to me like what is wrong with me type of a mentality I just reminded myself this is a them problem I was open and honest from the start and whatever I have no idea what somebody's intentions are when it comes to catfishing. I truly don't. I think it's just cruel and unusual and nobody deserves to go through that. I feel like physically hurting somebody is one thing, but I think emotionally hurting something is just something uh, another. 
Like you can't, people can't, don't recover from broken hearts. And this is going to people that have been having online relationships for years without meeting the person. And I'm just basing exactly. off 90-day fiance, but... <laughs> Well, I mean, I had long distance, you know, with my boyfriend and it was, uh, it wasn't something where we met online and we met in person at a bar, but still it's like, you know, you don't, you just don't know if you can trust people. Yeah. yeah. Even if it is online, like you, even in person or online, like regardless when you're going to go meet someone, especially, you know, I've been on Tinder when I was single, I was on Tinder. I'm like, you need to really make sure you trust this person and meet them in a public place, you know, just mm-hmm. be precautious and, and, you know, don't don't think like you're invincible honestly because nowadays yeah. anything can happen so if it yeah, gets to the point of warning. you meeting up if it gets to the point of you meeting in person definitely during the day I do n- I never meet up for drinks we could get coffee for the first time and then mm-hmm. see where things go and I, I never plan after coffee either that way if yeah. it's horrid you could just run away yeah, exactly. I know that's what's funnier now. You mentioned it's harder with uh, quarantine dates because you have to commit because you can't. Yeah, and it's like else. I can't. I can't cancel. Day. I can't be like. Literally the other day, they're like, "So are you ready? Like it's coming up on four, and I really wanted to just be like, um, I have a bunch of errands to run. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you could cancel if you have to go buy some toilet paper, but. Yeah, it's kind of- I have to go stake out okay. at twelve different stores to find toilet paper. Sorry, bye. Go. I'm not like that. But but it's good to hear though that like you've definitely you know grown from that experience and learned something. And I think that's as good like for people to I guess if they can take anything from this advice, like just remember that don't feel stupid. Like it happens, and as long as you come out of it safe, like you know, just learn from it regardless, like whether you've been rejected, whether you've been catfished, whatever the case, it's important to realize that there's somebody out there for you and it might not be like the right time yet. But I think what you've been doing self-improvement and like growing and recognizing like how you can improve um, on your anxiety or whatever else, you know, just to to have those, I guess, that recognition in mind so that you can prepare for when that person comes into your life. Right. And another thing that I would add too is 10 out of 10, your tuition, your gut does not lie. Listen to it. I have learned the hardest way because I would always ignore it. Just kind of mm-hmm. dismissing it as, oh, it's probably anxiety or it's probably just fear. There's a difference. So if you're getting gut feelings, it is telling you something for a reason because your body, even if they're not in front of you, your body yeah. can pick up on energy. It's crazy. Yeah, I think that ties into the spirituality thing, because for me, that's like how I define my spirituality is like, how you pick up on people's energies. And like, it can be so draining with some people. And like, I don't know if that's real, like, who knows, because there, you know, there's a lot of research to be done on this whole subject. But I do think hanging out with certain people can drain you so much and hanging out with others can give you a lot more energy. So that's something to take with a grain of salt. And yeah, I was just remembering when you were thinking about this, like when we were talking about being safe, how we went to Italy and Greece and we were um, <laughs> at this island. And <laughs> oh, in Greece? I have to talk about this because, yeah, this island, I think Patmos, where uh, we I, I was uh, met a couple guys. Yeah, we met a couple guys there and, and we were 15 kiss. or something. Yeah, and Meryl had her first kiss with some guy. One of the guys, he took, he took my ring 
And I have really small yeah. fingers, so it's just, it's annoying how guys always do this. But he took my ring, puts it, doesn't even go, like, past his knuckle, and, like, just puts his hand into the ocean. We're, in, we're swimming in the water, and he's like, oh, I lost your ring. Sorry. And I was really upset, obviously. Like, I mean, this ring didn't have any sentimental value, but, like, it's mine that you took, and now you lost it. And he's like, come, come, come. Like, I'll, I'll, take you, I'll take you to my house. I'll give you a necklace. Like, I'll give you something in exchange. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to go with you to your house. No. <laughs> he's like, come, it's fine. Come, come. And I'm like, no, I'm no good. Thank you. Yeah, it's crazy. I think we were alone, too. I don't know where my mom was. Like, shout out to my mom. She was definitely on the beach. Yeah, she was nearby, but, like, I think we... If we were dumber than that, we would have probably walked with them a good way. Huh. And like, no. no, I, I, I 100% would not have. I know I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. <laughs> no, I know. We were not. We were good. We were, fine. I'm we just saying, like, have. if people weren't, like, sure. I mean, I was having a great time. I'm really, like, whatever when it comes to well, who I was. Like, say, whatever. That's not to say that there can be a lot of other women that either have not traveled or they are not aware of different scammers and dangers around the world that would okay sure like I'll come with you and it's not even for the sake of here like let me repay you because I lost something of yours but it's like I'm meeting a foreign man and especially if you're older I feel like 100% a lot of women would not be aware of those dangers and they would go yeah yeah it's not about being dumb but it's like honestly like you you need to just be aware I think that's the case like just read the situation like if some guy you just met and yeah you kissed him like physical touch doesn't mean like you're gonna marry this guy or whatever you might be having a great time but that's what I mean like you need to be careful if if you're like doing the one night stand type of thing like okay I mean that's just in any situation that's danger but potentially yeah, exactly. Especially, especially when it's abroad. Have you have ever like besides that story with us, like had any um, difficulties abroad? I guess like meeting people or otherwise. When I travel, I don't usually meet people. Um, I don't really go out that much either. I and it kind of depends. I mean, there have been places. I was in Morocco mm-hmm. with my cousin, and then. Her best friend, which grew into one of my really close friends also, and, you know, being three American girls, regardless of what our ethnicities are, no matter how much we tried to blend in, we were just going to stand out anyway. Being in Morocco was one of the greatest travel experiences of my life, but at the same time, it was pretty nerve-wracking just because every corner that we turn, there is a man just catcalling at us. And just generally at night, it was not safe for us to go out, you know. So the second it turned dark, we were inside. So it really depends where you're going. And I know a lot of other travelers are not like that. They just kind of, I don't have that peace of mind to just do whatever I want whenever I want. So in that kind of a setting, we just didn't feel comfortable going out, meeting people. But then there have been other instances... I think it's more if I know somebody that lives where I'm visiting, I feel more comfortable going out and having fun or if I'm with friends. But for the most part, I don't usually meet people when I travel aside from if we strike up a conversation. And that's not just guys, girls too. I think it's important to remember as Americans, especially like that it's 
you know, it's not your country if you're in another country. Like, it's not going to be the yeah, same the as your customs, country. The customs yeah. are different, and people forget that. Like, yes, Europe specifically is very progressive, but that doesn't mean it's the U.S. Like, you cannot do everything that you would do at home in the places that you're visiting. And that includes dress, the way you act, who you talk to, just little things. Yeah, regardless of your personal views or whatever, like it's it's important to respect another person's culture and get over your pride. Don't try to break someone else's rules in that country. And like when it comes to catcalling, I've had that a lot um, in, in some countries I've been to where I just I have to just ignore it. And it sometimes can be super degrading, especially as a woman, because I feel like it happens a lot to women. But you know, you just have to ignore it. And, and because yeah. like, if you cause trouble, like it's just not going to be good for you in the end. You might think you're invincible American. And I joke about that a lot with Florian, like I'm American, like, but I'm just kidding because, you know, honestly, it doesn't matter in some places. Yeah, no, so, you yeah. can, I mean, you can, you can definitely stand up to yourself here in California. Um, I don't know if that would be the same in like rural parts of like the Midwest, you know, but in definitely in certain parts of Europe and around the world, like women do not have that same authority of voice. So even if you are an American, and this is why I love that show 90 Day Fiance, because a lot of these women that are going to the Middle East to meet up with their fian- their men, they are going thinking I am an American woman, like things are going to be fine. I can dress this, this way. Every- and it's just, it's not even culture shock. Like if there is a more extreme word, that's what they experience. And it's just, it's so bizarre to me that they don't realize that. And I don't know if it's just because you and I grew up in immigrant homes. So that way we were always aware of a blended culture. We know that the world is not the way that it operates just in our backyard type of a thing. But with, with women, I just, yeah, it's unfortunate that you, depending where you are, really the power in your voice can either diminish or really be authoritative well, and especially with that Middle Eastern influence like Armenia has, um, have you been over there? I went back in 2001, and funny enough, my family has been trying to go back for the past four summers. Yeah, we have I'm our, just curious have like, what you can tell people about it, because, you know, a lot of people don't know about that country or like what people are like there and like religion and all these other things. Um, so Armenia, it's a landlocked country. Um, I just cons- I consider myself Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. although, I mean, some would argue that it's part of Asia. Others argue it's in Europe. I, I mean, region-wise, it's kind of right there in <laughs> Turkey and Iran, yeah. whatever that it's could be. Con- I'm sure. Um, yeah. so there's a geography. Uh, it's a predominantly Christian country. Um, I don't think I know any anybody that's not Christian, that's Armenian. So the dominant religion is Christianity. Um, for the most part, I mean, it is progressing at a slower rate compared to a lot of more first world world nations, especially with a lot of power. But um, Armenia, for the most part, is pretty traditional, at least with gender roles in the sense of, you know, the man is the breadwinner, the man is in the public sphere and the wife is really more in the private sphere, the home take care with the children type of a mentality. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I know in a lot of smaller religions, uh, the rules are a lot more strict. You know, women cannot be out with men past a certain time. 
Uh, women can't be out alone past a certain time. If you are walking with multiple men, like it uh, insinuates things about your about you. So it is a little bit more on the traditional side, but it's not necessarily on the oppressive end. Yeah, no, it's just good to know. And like, if people want to visit, like, is it pretty safe then for people considering going oh, there? I think our I think Armenia is like one of the safest countries in the world, actually. Okay, that's great. Yeah, it's well, safety is is like the last concern. Um, if, if anything, I mean, tourism has definitely began to boom. Uh, but I feel like the honestly, just the hardest thing that you would encounter is the language barrier. And you speak Armenian as well, so. You can definitely visit there again sometime, right? Hopefully oh, soon. Oh, hopefully COVID doesn't interfere this year. I know. We just have to stay strong. And it's really great to be able to have resources like this podcast and like, you know, friends and family accessible through technology. So I'm really happy that I get to interview you today. So thank you so much for being thank on here. Thank you for having me. I'm going to close things off with a closing question really quick. Okay. If you could go back in time and relive any of the trips you've been on, which one would it be? Oh, man. Italy and Greece. Really? Oh, that's so easy, though. Because <laughs> I was, I, I mean, that's the, I would 100% relive that. That was a good time. Just minus, like, the educational aspect, just the fun. <laughs> <laughs> what was the highlight for you? Just so people oh, know why it was so great. I think it was just, like, two and a half weeks of just bliss with my best friend yeah it was crazy with you it was so fun yeah it was cool experiencing Europe like that I mean it was a lot of ups and downs because we were so young and we were so stupid a couple times but but you know that's how you learn like shout out to Lenore for dealing with us (laughs) but um But yeah, well, great. Thank you so much again, Meryl. Uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you or learn more about you? My IG, I don't know where you're going to place it. Um, you can follow me at Meryl Perrion. Cool. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Don't get taken. And uh, we'll catch you in the next Take one. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> right, bye. Follow me on Instagram by searching for at geomonreal. And check out my blog on geomonreal.com. Want to be on the next episode? Send an email to lifeisatrippodcast at gmail.com. Music from purpleplanet.com. 